Hey guys, welcome to part two of our review. Uh, this is the civil liberties and civil rights stuff. Uh, this one's a little bit shorter, but I'm going to try and go into more detail about this one because uh, I'm just not sure how much you got. Um, you know, I don't know if you listened to the podcast that we did or that I did. Uh, you, know, you, you should be an expert on three of these standards that were in there. Uh, and then you should have gotten the other stuff from other people and then from the um, what I posted. But I don't know what you've listened to, if you even did it or not. So I'm going to go try and go into as much detail as possible about these things. Um, so I gave you a paper copy on Wednesday, the day we did the, the written final. So if you want to have that, if you're one of those that likes to uh, follow along, or uh, if you want to have a digital copy, it is on eClass. All right, let's get rolling here. So first up there is a court case. It is a required court case. And that is Shank versus the U.S. Now, I've heard it said many different ways, but uh, we're going to go with uh, Shank. Okay. Um, it is a case you might, I don't know if you got it in U.S. history or not. Uh, I don't know if, if y'all talk about this or get into this much detail uh, in U.S. history, uh, especially last year with being a digital thing. But anyways, uh, so Shank was a member of and kind of higher up, I think he was a vice president or something like that, of the Socialist Party here in America. And uh, during World War One, he was out in front of a draft office or something like that, protesting the draft. He was speaking and he was also passing out literature. He was arrested, charged, convicted, all right, uh, for this. And he is going to um, appeal and it eventually gets to the Supreme Court. His appeal is based on, hey, I have free speech. I have free press. I can say what I want to. I can write what I want to because he was handing out pamphlets. Uh, what he was arguing was that the, the draft is violating the 13th Amendment and it's involuntary servitude, but uh, that didn't matter at the time. Okay, so he was he goes to the Supreme Court, argue for free speech, argue for free press. The, the Supreme Court is going to uh, agree with the government, though, and they're going to say, hey, you present a clear present danger. And that's kind of a the key phrase there uh, about when your free speech and when your free press could potentially be violated is there. So um, he was, he, he ended up serving his time, I think it was like maybe 10 years, a couple of thousand dollars worth of fine. Um, so it might not have been 10 years, don't quote me on that, but it, it, he served his time because he didn't want his appeal. All right, next up, we got the Establishment Clause versus Free Exercise Clause, and then the court cases. <clears throat> so the Establishment Clause is the one that says the government cannot create a state-sponsored religion. And then the free exercise clause protects how you worship. Okay. The two court cases you got to know are Ingle versus Vital and Wisconsin versus Yoder. Both of these are required cases. And so Ingle versus Vital is a school prayer. It's the one that said, hey, by forcing students to pray in school, you're violating the establishment clause and you are creating a basically a state sponsored religion. And the free exercise clause, Wisconsin versus Yoder, this is the Amish case. This is where the Amish wanted to pull their kids out of school after eighth grade, and they said, hey, your public policy, Wisconsin, violates their free exercise. All right, so that's the kind of the, the heart of the matter for that one. Uh, selective incorporation. All right, selective incorporation is a pretty, I don't want to say heavy um, concept, but it is, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, some people have trouble understanding it, okay? So selective incorporation, there is this belief amongst states oftentimes that they do not have to enforce the Bill of Rights. 
Okay. Uh, there is a belief that the Bill of Rights is a, an agreement between the federal government and the people, not the states and the people. So states will sometimes try and use that uh, to get out of enforcing some of the protections that were given under um, the Bill of Rights, those first 10 amendments. All right. And so um, there was a court case way back when, Barron versus Baltimore. 1830, where uh, selective incorporation didn't happen. Like the, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state, said, "Yeah, you don't. Have, you, they don't have to." It was an eminent domain case, and the, the court ruled in favor of the, the state of uh, Maryland uh, about taking people's land, saying, "Hey, that's that's not an agreement with the the uh, the federal government. That's a state thing." And so it was. It, it lasted for a while. Then uh, around 1930 something, 100 years later, Gitlow or 19, it was 1925, excuse me, Gitlow versus New York happens, and it kind of reverses that and says, well, you know what? With the 14th Amendment and the due process and all that stuff, uh, states, you do have to to apply the Bill of Rights to your to your stuff. Okay. So long story short, there, selective incorporation is just the fact that the Supreme Court has forced the states to apply the Bill of Rights to their whatever, whatever, whatever they're violating of yours, whether it's your free speech, free press, uh, search and seizure, all that kind of stuff. Basically, selective incorporation is the looking at the process saying, hey, states, yes, you, you have to apply it here. Yes, you have to apply it here. And when they have to apply it, that's selective incorporation. Okay. Uh, if you don't understand it and want me to talk to you more about it, let me know, please. Uh, it is kind of a weird concept, but selective incorporation is just the states having to incorporate um, the, all the, the liberties that we get. All right. Rights guaranteed to a person that is arrested. So the fourth through eighth amendments are all those rights that are guaranteed to you. Um, and you get the due process and all that kind of stuff. And the due process is just all those Liberty. So the search and seizure stuff uh, and the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment right to not self-incriminate and things like that. Uh, no double jeopardy. Uh, you know, Sixth Amendment, you get a lawyer, uh, you know, representation, you get a jury, you see a judge. Seventh Amendment is the civil side. And then Eighth Amendment is no cruel and unusual punishment and all those sorts of things. So all those rights are, are part of your um, you know, guaranteed if you're ever find yourself in trouble like that. Number 40, the exclusionary rule uh, is tied to the Fourth Amendment and the unlawful search and seizure stuff. Uh, basically, the the courts are not supposed to be able to use, I shouldn't say courts, the prosecution should not be able to use illegally obtained evidence against you. So if they enter your house without probable cause, without a search warrant or any of those things, and they find something, uh, they probably can't use it against you, okay? They have to have uh, the proper paperwork, the, the proper reasoning to come into your house. So uh, the exclusionary rule protects you. That comes from MAP versus Ohio, um, which I think we get into a little bit later, but uh, just, you know, they entered her house looking for someone, didn't find it, but they found drugs, arrested her. She said, hey, that's not fair. The Supreme Court agreed with her. Okay. Uh, let's see. Supreme Court and the 14th Amendment. So the Supreme Court over the years, uh, since the, the, uh, the 14th Amendment has been a thing, has pretty much did what we said earlier about the selective incorporation, and, and that's basically that 
hey, all these things contained in the Bill of Rights applies to the states. Okay, so the Fifth Amendment is going to be that one that is going to, which, well, that's the next thing. Um, but the Fifth Amendment is going to be the federal side. The Fourteenth Amendment is the, the state side. Okay, uh, so just the next, that's what that next thing says. The Fifth Amendment due process versus the Fourteenth Amendment's due process. The Fifth Amendment is specifically geared toward the federal. All right. Yes, most times the states will apply the Fifth Amendment to you, um, but it's really a federal thing. And then the Fourteenth Amendment, their due process, which ties in the Fifth Amendment, all that kind of stuff, is going to be from the state side. So that's the, the big, I don't say the big difference, but how uh, kind of the Supreme Court has applied it over the years. Supreme Court and the death penalty. So the Supreme Court in the 1970s did rule and say that the death penalty was okay. So states have the option of giving the death penalty if they want to. Uh, over the years, they have ruled, you know, you can't uh, put to death people who are mentally handicapped or uh, underage. And uh, there's a, a few other things that, that go in there. So there are some, I don't want to say loopholes to avoiding the death penalty. Uh, but uh, that's basically it's legal with a few exceptions. All right, police searches. Basically, how can they search you? Uh, we already kind of alluded to this. They have to have a warrant. They have to have probable cause or they have to have your permission. All right. Brown versus board and Roe versus Wade. So these are tied together but just because the question is one of those table questions on your test where, Hey, here's Brown versus Board in one column. Here's Roe versus Wade in the other. And you got to pick out uh, where they are the same. So they really don't have the same topic. And I pulled this question from a, a released AP exam, I think, or uh, I got it from somewhere. Um, but anyways, just, uh, you know, Brown versus Board, the facts of that case. I think most people are familiar with this. That is the one uh, that's going to desegregate schools. Uh, happened back in the, the 50s, for 40, late 40s, early 50s. And it's going to start the process of finally desegregating uh, American schools. Roe versus Wade is the uh, the abortion case, and it is the, the right to privacy is the kind of the fact that gets that's out there that's used by the Supreme Court saying that, that women have a right to, to privacy when they make these decisions. Uh, but it gave women the, uh, the right to, to have an abortion. And then they left it at the states to decide, for the most part, uh, first trimester is typically kind of when they were, were looking at there. Okay. Uh, affirmative action. And there is a, it's a cartoon that you're going to um, uh, analyze or whatever you want to call it for this question. But uh, affirmative action, what it is, is the... Uh, it's a policy from maybe early 70s, mid 70s, somewhere in that range. Um, and it was created by the federal government to try and reverse some of the discrimination that had existed against uh, African-Americans for so long. And uh, affirmative action just kind of said, hey, you need to have a certain amount of this minority, this minority, this minority, so on and so forth. Um, so trying to, to kind of equal the, the playing field or uh, whatever that phrase is. Uh, for everybody to have a fair shot at having a getting a job and, and other things. Uh, still around today, the Supreme Court has ruled uh, over the years that affirmative action is perfectly fine, perfectly legal, despite some challenges. They have said can't use quotas. So there was a case, Bach versus University of California system. It, it wasn't the University of California, but it was one of the University of Californias. 
where he was denied entry to a uh, med school and found he found out somehow, I'm not sure how he found out, but he found out that uh, he had been bypassed because they had set aside like 20 spots for uh, minority candidates. And somehow he found out that his test scores or entry requirements or whatever was better than those minority students. And so he, that's where his suit comes from. And the court ruled, hey, you know, affirmative action is legal. It's okay to do that, but you shouldn't do the racial set-asides. And so that, that kind of got rid of the quota system. Uh, since then, we've had cases uh, that deal with college entrance, you know, uh, more recently, uh, Fisher versus Texas, Grutter, Grutter versus Bollinger uh, are some cases that uh, kind of challenged and said, hey, they're they're using these racial quotas, they're using the, using the racial set-asides. But in, in both cases, they, the Supreme Court ruled that um, while race should not be a deciding factor, it can be a factor that's used in, in admission to colleges. So um, I think there's two questions that go with that. Okay, uh, Civil Rights Act and Voting Rights Act. Pretty simple. Civil Rights Act is going to try and stop discrimination in the workplace and other places. And uh, Voting Rights Act is going to make it easier for African-Americans to register to vote and go vote and all that kind of stuff. So it, it increased the, the voter, um, the ease and the safety to, to register and to vote. 49 violations of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. Okay. So... Uh, the question on the test is going to give you some scenarios and you got to decide which one would be a violation of the Equal Protection Clause. Okay, so the Equal Protection Clause, just so you know what it is, this is the big one from the 14th Amendment. There's So the 14th Amendment does three things. It defines what a citizen is, which is obviously important, but then it also says, hey, as a citizen, you have equal protection. You also have due process. So those are the three big things. Uh, the equal protection part just means that all laws are going to be applied the same. You know, uh, this is what we use, was used with Brown versus Board to say that Plessy versus Ferguson, the whole separate but equal thing, was not a thing, was not viable. Uh, and, you know, that was a violation of the equal protection clause. So basically, all the laws, all the policies, all those things out there, um, are everybody should just the law should be treating everybody the same. You know, if I run a stop sign as a 44-year-old white male and you run the stop sign as a 18-year-old black female, we should both get a ticket, okay? Uh, and, and just the, the laws are applied to everybody, no matter age, race, religion, color, all that kind of stuff. All right, so that's what the 14th Amendment does. I think when you read the, uh, the scenarios, I think you'll be able to pick out which one is a violation of the 14th Amendment and equal protection there. Uh, 50, the free exercise cases. We've already gone over this. Uh, so the question on the test is going to say, which is, which is, how's the Supreme Court ruled? Uh, which one have they not ruled is a violation of free exercise? Okay. So we know about the Yoder case. Um, a couple of military ones that are out there. The Air Force can enforce dress code as they see fit, no matter the religious ramifications. Uh, you could be a conscientious, a conscientious objector to the draft. Not that we have to worry about that right now. Hopefully we don't ever have to worry about it, but um, just in case. Let's see, 51, 52, 53, all deal with the 14th Amendment and same-sex marriage. Uh, on the test, there is a passage from the decision in Obergefell versus Hodges 
That was the same-sex marriage case back in 2015. So there's a passage, and then there's three questions where you're going to uh, take from it. So just a, a reminder, Obergefell versus Hodges happened because um, some states were allowing same-sex couples to get married and giving them all the, you know, the, the rights of a married couple, while other states were denying it. So that's kind of where the case comes from. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I think it's just really reading the passage um, and and getting the answers. I think it, it was a 14th Amendment equal protection thing uh, along with the, uh, the full faith and credit stuff that comes from state to state stuff. 54, Title IX. Uh, so something that happens here at school, okay, and, and there's a passage on the test for this one. But um, basically, uh, education schools that are receiving federal funding, they can't discriminate based on, on sex, okay? You know, boys versus girls, men versus women, and all that kind of stuff. We, at this point today, really use it for athletics. Um, you know, boys and girls are supposed to be have equal stuff. They're supposed to be equal sports on campus. <clears throat> this is really a big issue at the college level where they got to stay in compliance where if they have a, uh, if they have, you know, 15 men's sports, they got to have 15 women's sports. Um, <clears throat> high schools typically, it's not as difficult. Actually, I, I, I mean, I've never been an athletic director, so I'm assuming it's not that difficult to stay in compliance. But anyways, it's uh, just the fact that um, they have to be given, girls have to be given the same opportunities as boys. Uh, it could also be applied in the classroom, although hopefully you never experienced this stuff. But if someone was, hey, girls only get C's in my class, you know, or, or, or uh, no girl can ever get an A in, in my class or reverse, you know, if it's a female teacher, they're like, no boy can get a above a, a B in my class. You know, that, that would be obviously a violation of Title IX. Okay. Civil liberties, uh, 55. Just uh, civil liberties are all those freedoms that we have in the Bill of Rights. Civil liberties versus civil rights. So people get confused when they say, well, they're the same thing. No, civil liberties are protections from the government, okay? So these are for individuals to be protected from the government versus civil rights where the government is trying to protect a group, a group that's traditionally been uh, discriminated against. All right, 57, uh, 58, and 59 all deal with a passage from a letter from a Birmingham jail. This was a, uh, it's a passage, uh, or the, the letter from a Birmingham jail was written by Martin Luther King Jr. when he was arrested. Um, in Birmingham, obviously, because he's in a Birmingham jail. But uh, he wrote this and just about, you know, the the unfairness of, of laws and, and how they're not applied equally. Um, he was really calling out some, I think, some pastors, some white pastors from Birmingham uh, who were, they were okay. Let's see, how was it? They were okay with the laws, even though they were unjust toward African Americans. They were okay with them because they didn't hurt them. And so they were okay with it. Uh, let's see. What amendment would address Martin Luther King's plea argument in a letter from a Birmingham jail? Uh, hopefully you're seeing a kind of a trend here. It's going to be the 14th Amendment. Uh, what former protested Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, advised? That's going to be that uh, civil disobedience where, hey, this is a law, but we don't agree with it, so we're not going to follow it. Finally, number 60, table from the Brown decision. So Brown versus Board. Uh, I don't know if you get this in U.S. history. I don't know if you do it in psychology, but there was a study back then. Um, 
And let's see, I'm reading here. It was done by Kenneth Clark and Mamie Clark. I guess they're related, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but anyways, they uh, <coughs> had done some research where they had given children uh, dolls, African-American dolls, and they, they have some results on there. Okay. Uh, and it, it was one of the things that was used in the, the, the Brown case. So it's pretty interesting if you ever want to look into it. <coughs> Excuse me. About the fact that this study was used to uh, help win the Brown case. But anyways, uh, you have to look at the table that's provided uh, and then answer a question on it. So that's, that's all it does is looking at the table and uh, analyzing it a little bit. Okay, guys, there is the review for part two. As always, I am available in class. I'm here listening for your questions that never come. Uh, I'm also available before school, after school most days. Uh, there's very few days where I do not uh, stay after school. So uh, feel free if you need to see me before school or after school. Uh, I'm perfectly happy to talk to you then. You can always reach out via Remind. You can always reach out via email. If you want to take to social media, I'm on there. Uh, you can do my work one, which is Daniels AP Gov. Or you can do the Collins Hill when I run the Collins Hill uh, American Government Civics. That's C-H-H-S-Gov underscore civics on Twitter. Uh, feel free to, to reach out anywhere you need so I can get you the answers that you need. So you can do the best you can on this final, final exam. Guys, I hope you all had a great weekend. I hope uh, everything is well. Best of luck on all your tests that you take this season. Uh, I've enjoyed having most every single one of you in class. And uh, I'm, I'm sure I will see you in the spring. Although many of you will probably, you know, whip out your phones when you see me coming down the hallway. <clears throat> so you don't have to say hello. It hurts a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of used to it. But anyways, guys, if you've listened to me this long, uh, I truly do hope everything's well. And uh, you do great things. And uh, I'll talk to you if nothing else, when it comes to AP review time. Guys, take care. Best of luck. Happy New Year, and uh, best of luck in the spring. Later, guys. Bye-bye.